0: Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 316. Day 316. Always reminds me of John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so love the world. So good. Anyways, it's day 316. We're reading two chapters from Luke's gospel, chapter 9 and chapter 10. Also reading Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4, 5, and 6. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, 2nd Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe and receiving daily episodes and daily updates. It's day 316. Gosh, we're halfway through, almost halfway through the Gospel of Luke. And then after that is Acts and Romans and Corinthians and Colossians and all the other letters. But today is day 316. We're reading Luke chapter 9 and 10, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4, 5, and 6. It's day 316. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, the mission of the twelve. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whenever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Herod's perplexity. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had arisen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Feeding the 5,000 On their return, the apostles told him what they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away, to go into the villages and country round about, to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a lonely place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men, And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in companies, about fifty each. And they did so, and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and blessed, and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were satisfied, and they took up what was left over, twelve baskets of broken pieces. Peter's Declaration That Jesus Is the Christ Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the people say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the old prophets has risen. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. But he charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Taking up one's cross. And he said to all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, There are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. The Transfiguration Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men talked with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but kept awake, and they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he said this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silence and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Jesus heals a boy with the demon. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried, teacher, I beg you to look upon my son, "'For he is my only child, and behold, a spirit seizes him, "'and he suddenly cries out. "'It convulses him till he foams and shatters him "'and will hardly leave him. "'And I begged your disciples to cast it out, "'but they could not.' Jesus answered, "'O faithless and perverse generation, "'how long am I to be with you and bear with you? "'Bring your son here.' "'While he was coming, the demon tore him and convulsed him. "'But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy.' and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. Jesus again foretells his death. But while they were all marveling at everything he did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them that they should not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. True Greatness And an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But when Jesus perceived the thought of their hearts, he took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Another exorcist. John answered, Master, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he that is not against you is for you. A Samaritan village refuses to receive Jesus. When the days drew near for him to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But the people would not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? but he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Would-be followers of Jesus As they were going along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But he said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you... Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Chapter 10, The Mission of the Seventy After this, the Lord appointed seventy others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to come. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and salute no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace shall rest upon him. But if not, it shall return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages." Woes to unrepentant cities. Woe to you, Choracin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The return of the 70. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus rejoices and thanks the Father. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The Parable of the Good Samaritan And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him, and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go, and do likewise. Jesus visits Martha and Mary. Now as they went on their way, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. The book of Proverbs, chapter 26, verses four through six. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. The Father in heaven, we give you praise. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, honestly, Father, just please receive our thanksgiving. Receive our, our praise today. You are great. You're good. You're faithful. Uh, you've called us to this day and you've given us your mercy every day, every single day. Lord God, you give us mercy ever new. Please help us to receive your mercy, help us to walk in it, help us to give you permission to love us so that our hearts may be filled with your grace, hearts may be filled with you and your love, and we can become vessels of your love, we can become conduits of your grace. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we have uh, Luke chapter 9 and 10. Only two chapters today, which is kind of awesome. That's kind of a nice little break from the three chapters. But one of the things I want to highlight, gosh, is here is the mission and ministry of Jesus. Not only the mission and ministry of Jesus himself, but also this proclamation and call of more people to his side and also sending more people in front of him, right? So he has more more calling people to himself where Jesus makes it very clear. This is chapter nine, verse 23. If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, one of the things that struck me recently has been, I've been doing some reading on commentaries and I've always thought that when Jesus said the threefold mission or three, threefold tasks, I guess of the disciple to deny oneself, take up your cross daily and follow after Jesus. The first one, deny yourself. I always thought that just seems to be kind of like a, you know, be willing to fast, right? Jesus talks about fasting. That's going to happen when the bridegroom is gone. Um, he says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms, I always thought this was one of those situations where it was deny yourself, meaning, you know, learn how to say no to yourself. Kind of, we talked about that yesterday when it came to the book of Proverbs. But what Jesus is saying is it's it's deeper than simply denying yourself um, luxuries. It's, it's deeper than saying, you know, deny yourself food or drink at times, deny yourself sleep at times, deny yourself, you know, entertainment at times. What Jesus is saying when he says the one who denies himself is actually rejecting oneself. It's this term of absolute surrender of oneself. It doesn't just mean I occasionally, you know, fast or I occasionally give up sleep or occasionally give up pleasures. It is the sense of I actually renounce my claim to my own life. I renounce my claim to my own life and say that actually the only one who has a claim on my life is God himself That Jesus has a claim on my life. I don't even have a claim on my own time. I don't have a claim on my stuff, my food, my sleep, all those things. I don't have a claim on my family. I mean, we have responsibilities, obviously, right? But the only one who has a claim on my life is God himself, that this is the depth. And this is just the beginning, right? I'm being very brief when it comes to this description, but it is utter and complete self-surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. So uh, how it starts, of course, is in those small ways, right? How it starts, how we, how we live it out is by being able to say, okay, Lord, I give up food today or I give up um, some kind of other thing for you today. That's the kind of fasting or penance that can exhibit this reality, this deeper sense of I have renounced my claim on my life. Um, so that's how we practice it is through fasting and you know, penance, almost giving that kind of situation. But the depth of it is not just I've given up a little bit. It is I've renounced any claim I have on my time, any claim I have on my, my comfort, any claim I have on my future, any claim I have on anything that I would call mine is actually not mine. That's kind of the, the depth of this. Now, going on, we recognize also that here is this call of Jesus, these would-be followers of Jesus at the end of chapter nine, and every one of them wants to follow Jesus. Well, they, at least they're called, you know, the first person says, I will follow you wherever you go. And we don't know what happens with this person because Jesus simply says to him that foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. We don't know. We don't know if that person followed him. To another, he says, follow me. But he says, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. To another, he says, I'll follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's this, you know, sometimes people will make this, this silly claim that Jesus never claims to be God. He actually does many, many times, but he also claims to be God in the demands he places on the people who follow him. It makes no sense for simply a rabbi to say, let the dead bury their dead. Um, it doesn't make any sense for a simple rabbi to say, you can't even say goodbye to your family before you come and follow me. It doesn't make any sense for a rabbi to say, you have to renounce all your property, all your things, all your, everything you have a claim to and in order to be my disciple. That doesn't, makes no sense if Jesus was just a rabbi, but Jesus is not merely a rabbi. He is God incarnate. And he's doing something incredible here. What's he doing? He's setting his people free from slavery. He's bringing them into the promised land, which is at the beginning slash middle of chapter nine. We have this thing called the transfiguration, this transformation of Jesus on the mountain in front of Peter, James, and John. And what what is he talking about with Elijah and Moses? It says in Luke's gospel, I think it's the only gospel where it uh, actually says what Jesus is talking about with Moses. Moses and Elijah. He's talking about his exodus, which he would accomplish in Jerusalem. Now this is fascinating and, and it, it blows my mind. Why? Because Jesus is not only the new Elijah. He's not only the new Moses. He's the new Joshua. He is the new David. He is the fulfillment of every promise of the Old Testament. And what was the greatest event that God did in his people's the life of his people in the Old Testament? The greatest event was setting them free from slavery certain death, leading them through the wilderness, leading them through the Red Sea and bringing them into the promised land, setting them free from slavery and from from death and bringing them to a place where there was freedom and life. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's speaking about his exodus, which he was to accomplish in Jerusalem. How does he accomplish this in Jerusalem? Through his passion, through his death and through his resurrection. It just, this is incredible. It is absolutely incredible incredible to recognize this this truth. Now, last thing, there's so much to talk about in every one of the gospels, every one of the chapters of the gospels. But I want I want to highlight the last little piece at the end of chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha. We could also talk about the good Samaritan, but gosh, no time. Um, but we have Mary and Martha. And the reason I want to highlight Mary and Martha is because yesterday we had chapter 9, and in chapter 9 we had the parable of the sower. You're right the, there's a seed that fell on the rocky ground and the, the evil one came and ate it up. There's a seed that fell upon the shallow ground and it didn't have any root. There's a seed that fell among thorns and um, the thorns grew up and choked it. Jesus explains what all these things mean. When he explains what happens among the thorns, he describes it like this. He says that as the thorns grew up, what did they do? What were the thorns a sign of? It says, as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and the fruit does not mature. They're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. You say the anxieties, the cares, the worries. It doesn't say they're necessarily choked by evil or sin. They're not necessarily choked by like the corruption of their own hearts. They're just simply choked by the cares of their daily life, and riches and pleasures of life, which aren't bad things, but they are things that are in competition for the life that God wants for us. Now I bring that up, Because at the end of chapter 10, we have Mary and Martha. And what is Martha's problem? (laughs) Jesus diagnoses it and he says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Her problem is not that she was evil. Her problem was not that she was working too hard. Her problem was that the cares of life, the cares of that day, were choking the life of God in her life. That that she was anxious and troubled about many things, just like... That third kind of you know, seed falling among the thorns, the, the anxieties, the cares of life, riches and pleasures. You know, there is work that we all have to do, but there is a work that a lot of us choose to take up that we don't have to do. We're not even supposed to do it. There's the work we have to do. And then there's the work beneath the work. There's the work we have to do to, I have, I have to show up, I have to do this thing, but then there's the other cares, the other anxieties. And the anxieties are, what do people think about me during this work? Is this work going to be good enough? Does this work give me my identity? Does this work define me? There's all these burdens, this work beneath the work that we carry with us, that we, we give to the tasks that are good to do, but they cause us sadness. They cause us distress because yeah, the cares, riches, pleasures of life, or for Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Martha could have simply served Jesus, served the disciples in her home with freedom, with joy, with love, knowing that how many people in their lifetimes, how many people in the world get to host Jesus, get to host the apostles? Very, very few. But rather, her joy was choked by anxiety. Her joy was choked by being troubled about many things. So you and I have work to do today. But one thing we can do is we can put down the work beneath the work so that we can walk in freedom and enjoy. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that that is something you can do today. I'm praying that I can do that today. Please pray for me that I can do that. As I said, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.